0: Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Knight. And I'm
1: Andrew Nickel. And
0: today's show, we're talking about the valuation wars. How do you navigate when you've got two valuers saying completely different things? Now, this is really important. Don't skip past this one, because I've got a really interesting story for you today. And this is going to show the differences when you've got two valuers looking at very similar properties, but they come back with wildly different valuations. Now, this is going to apply especially to new build investors, but it also applies to all property investors because we have to deal with valuers pretty regularly, either when we're buying, potentially when we're selling, but also when we're trying to get more money out of the banks. So let me tell you the story about these two properties. They are both two bedroom, two bathroom townhouses next to each other. Actually, one of the walls is joined Based out in CUMU, that's in Auckland. They're not identical, but they're right next door to each other and very, very similar. Now, what we did was we had to get values for these properties so that the investors we're working with are able to get mortgages for them. And what happened, and Andrew will tell you about this in a second, the valuation's completely different. So we're going to talk about how do you deal with this. Now, I do need to address a wee bit of bias because as property investors, what do we want? We want our valuations to come in either at purchase price or well above them, right? And of course, because the investors in the scenario we're talking about today, you know, we've been working with them here at Opus Partners, we want that too. We want the valuation to be as high as possible. But I want to get into this
1: example to just show you how different these valuations are. Andrew, take it away. Okay, so the example. These properties were purchased back in November 21. Now, what's special about that month? Well, it was pretty much the peak of the market. and The market has gone down significantly from then to now. Auckland region's down 18.4%, and Rodney Ward, where these properties are located, is down 9.1% on average. So the area has fallen about half as much as Auckland as a whole, but roughly 10%. Now, here come the valuations. Two valuations, two separate valuers, pretty much the same properties. So valuation number one came in at 950K. Valuation number two, came in at 775,000.
0: So, we're talking about a $175,000
1: difference. Huge. Now, the purchase price for the first property was 969, property number 2 was 929. So, in terms of difference between the valuation and the purchase price, scenario 1, property number 1 is down 19k. 2% difference. Probably pretty reasonable. Not probably not going to be the end of the world. Actually, you'd be pretty happy about that. Absolutely, because I'd be saying,
0: okay, Rodney, the area that this property is in is down nine percent. My property is down two percent. I'd be
1: pretty happy with that. Absolutely. Property number two. Remember, that's nine twenty nine purchase price, but valuation of seven seventy five. That's a hundred and fifty four thousand dollar difference. Sixteen point six percent. Yeah, you'd be upset about that again because the whole area,
0: 9% down, you're telling me I'm 17% down, and the guy next door, only 2% down? A, what's going on here? And let's talk about what this actually means for these two specific investors, and these are real people. Andrew, what does it mean in terms of the amount of extra
1: money that the investor would have to put into this property? Okay, so the person with the higher valuation needs another $15,200 of either cash or usable equity in other properties. Now, why is that? Because you're borrowing 80% of the purchase price.
0: Yeah, so these investors, like take the example of the more expensive property, the property is worth 950 k So the bank is only going to lend them 80% of that, but they have still signed a contract to pay almost 970K to the developer. So they still need to honour that contract, but the bank's not going to lend them 80% of the purchase price. It's 80% of the value. So they've got to come up with an extra 15K from
1: other properties or in cash in order to be able to settle that property compared to what they thought. Usually that happens with other equity. Now, the lower valuation scenario, the one that's wildly out, they need to come up with an additional $123,200. Now, Look, they might have other property and it might not be the end of the world, but this is probably more of a struggle for most people.
0: Now, in terms of the borrowing costs,
1: though, it also has an effect potentially on what the investor's cash flow is going to be, right? Absolutely. So one of my investors, who's also one of my friends, had this happen recently, a valuation come in wildly out from the purchase price. Now, And that answer, sorry, not wildly out, but a little bit out the bank said, hey, that's fine, we'll just honour the original purchase price as the valuation in this case is within COE. We're happy with that. So they were able to access normal bank rates, which means it's cheaper than the alternative, which with the lower valuation, this could force people into having to go to a non-bank lender or borrow a high LVR loan, and that would likely be more expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah, interest rate would be higher. So just ballpark it, that person who got the higher valuation the more expensive property, but the valuation was pretty good. They're likely going to be able to get standard interest rate today, 6.5%. The person on the lower valuation, they might say, I need to get a high LVR loan from the bank. So that would be like a 10% deposit rather than a 20% deposit if they're borrowing more money against that property. That might mean paying an extra 1.5% interest because they are going to go for that high LVR loan. Or if they're going to a non-bank, could be 1.5%. 2% potentially, extra in interest that they're paying, that's going to hurt the cash flow. Now, what's interesting is I've got both of these valuations in front of me, and both of them are about 50 to 60 pages long. I've read both of them. This is the great thing about holidays, isn't it? Yeah, I was able to sit there and I read them both because I want to know, just like you do, what are the actual differences? How is it that two people who are registered valuers have got their qualifications, how is it that they come back with such wildly different numbers. Alcohol. Uh, I think one of them might have been smoking something. (laughs) But I'll tell you, what happens when you get a valuation is that both valuers will go out and they will look at similar properties in a similar area that have recently sold. And what they'll do is they'll come up with a list and I've got both lists of properties in front of me that each valuer came up with and they'll go through and they'll rank them. And they'll say some of these properties are inferior. They're worse than the property we're trying to value. So this property that we're valuing, it should be more expensive than those ones. They'll also look at ones that are superior, so are better. And they'll say these properties are better than the property we're trying to value. So these ones should be more expensive. The property we're trying to value should be cheaper than that. And then they'll look at ones, these ones are similar. It should be around here. And they'll come up with a band and they'll end up giving you a number. Now. What's interesting is these two valuers, and remember, they are valuing a property or properties that are right next to each other. When they came up with their lists of similar properties, not one of them crossed over. There was no crossover between valuer A's list of properties and valuer B's list of properties. Which just
1: goes to show that they can go and choose any property they like, and as a result, you can get two valuers giving two very different opinions.
0: Yep, so valuer A that gave the higher valuation, they looked at seven properties, and valuer B gave 12 properties in their reports. And they might have looked at even more properties than that, but that's what's shown in the report. I'll tell you something else that's interesting, Andrew. The valuer who gave the lower value only focused on sales in surrounding suburbs, so suburbs that are near this property, they did not report on a single sale within the actual suburb, which is Cumu. So they looked at Huapai, which is quite close, Westgate, they looked at Massey, they looked at Hobsonville, these are all in West Auckland. But some of these suburbs are actually quite a drive away. They did not look at a single sale within the actual suburb that this property is located in. Whereas Valuer A, who gave the higher valuation they looked at four properties within Cumu itself, the same suburb that this property is located in. And in fact, they looked at two property sales that were on the same street as the property that was being valued. So the one who gave the lower valuation didn't even consider, or at least did not include in their report, these two properties that sold on the same street for quite high prices, which then established that, hey, these properties are actually worth something. And one other major difference, and I actually want to show you this, Andrew, is that the one who gave the higher value, when you look at their commentary, and let me flick to the right page for you, when you look at what they actually said about the property, I want to read you something because it shows you the amount of detail they went into. They looked at a two-bedroom townhouse in Hobsonville, which is a nearby suburb, and this property sold for 795 k And this valuer said that this property was inferior compared to the property that they were valuing. And they said that not only is this property a less desirable unit, because it had a unit title arrangement rather than being freehold, but, and this is the important part, upon further inspection, we note that the vendor, the seller, was motivated to conclude a quick sale for liquidation purposes. Wow. So even though this property might be good, or actually they've already said it's inferior, we consider this sale to be inferior and lower in value. So they're not just looking at the property, they're saying, well, this vendor, the seller was pressed to make a quick sale and so accepted a lower purchase price. Than what
1: the normal market rate ought to be.
0: And when I look at the notes that this valuer has given, who gave the higher valuation, yes. there's more detail about the specifics of the property. They were talking about, well, I'll oh, actually just read you another one because it's easier. This sale price was also in Hobsonville, 902 k This valuer called it inferior. And here they've talked about that this property is on a larger site, but the property is located on, quote, a narrow jammed in site. So the sale is considered to be
1: lower in value, therefore inferior. So again, rather than just look at the floor size and the land area and go, okay, well, that's a, larger site and and therefore it should be worth more than this one, they've actually dug into the details of, uh, actually, it's going to be discounted because it's a less desirable site. Whereas if I compare that to the report that was given by the
0: valuer who gave a lower valuation, we don't see the same level of consideration and detail given now that's not to say that the valuer didn't do all of that but it's not included within the 60 odd page report and i'll just flick through to that to give you another example here we've got a property in westgate and the sale price for this was 769k so not that far off the 775 that they put on this valuation and they just said a smaller two bedroom terrace one bathroom larger section Arguably preferred location near Westgate. Sale price is indicative of the value of the subject property. Now, that means that they think it's similar. But when I read all of the different 12 properties I've put on here, they're not going into the a, yes. a larger level of detail. Now, look, I could, I could go through a whole heap more detail and dig into some more numbers, but these are the key reasons why you can have two valuations for similar properties but that have wildly different results. Now, the key question for all of you guys is okay, fine, they're different, but what should I do about it? So Andrew, what do you do if you have a valuation come way
1: under the purchase price like we had in that second scenario? So this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of investors lately because people who bought in the peak are now settling and it's not (laughs) the peak market that we used to be. So The first thing is probably just to get another valuation if it's wildly out. You can challenge these things, but it can be harder to do that than it is just to pay another $1,000 and get another valuation in all seriousness. So often the best advice is just get another valuation. It is going to cost you though. You can also work with the valuer. So you can provide your own analysis and research. So if you're like Ed and you like doing some number crunching, you can look at the sales yourself and provide a table of properties that have recently sold, and you can get this data from CoreLogic, One Roof. Do you use anything else? I'd use One Roof or Homestock said yep. Most people will not
0: have access to course, Property Guru course. like we would, yes, um, because that costs a couple hundred bucks a month. But you can do this on One Roof, Homes. Trying to get across to the valuer that you've done your research and this is where you see the value at. I'd also be suggesting to people, or well, my recommendation is, if you can, go to the valuation, be there with them to answer questions. Talk about, well, what's the difference between this property and something down the street? And especially, let's say that you know that there's a property down the street that recently sold for way less than your property. Now, there might've been some issues with that property. There were major leaks, yep. the neighbours were terrible, whatever it happens
1: to be. If you know that, tell the valuer because yes. they want that context. Yes, you want to be able to explain those things. And, and let's talk about what we've been doing with some of our investors. So one of the hardest parts about buying off plans is establishing a value of a new build property. And the reason for that is some of the numbers that they've used for these sales, yes, the sales transaction might have happened recently, but the contract could have been sold 12 or 18 months ago. So what I mean by that is there might be a, a sale which has gone through now because the property is complete, but that person might have bought that property 18 months ago at 18 months ago's price. So it looks like it's a lower price today, but that's because someone bought in a much lower part of the market. So we're actually going to the point of providing a lot of current sales data to the likes of CoreLogic and Velocity now to make it a little bit better for everyone. And one thing I do want to say is we often
0: talk about the risks of property investment and for investing in new builds, this is definitely one of the risks. And today's episode is about how do you manage it? Because in this scenario, You've got two investors, and arguably, they could probably look at it and say, well, the market that we're we're buying in is down 9%, our house value should be down 9%, and you've got one where the valuation came in 2% under, and you've got one that came in almost 17% under. And so you do see really large differences in valuations based on who the valuer is. And so hopefully this gives you an understanding of why is that the case, and what are some ways we can mitigate that? What are some ways we can still work through it? Right, we're going to wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to grow your portfolio in 2023 and beyond, it might be time to come in for a portfolio planning session. Easy way to sign up for this, whip out your phone, send us a text, text the word plan to 5522, we'll give you a buzz, see if it's the right fit. listening to the Property Can Be Podcast I'm your host Ed Knight.
1: And I'm Andrew Nickel, and we're
0: going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies tactics and insights to help
1: you get the most